This is Looking Forward, conversations about the future of work, brought to you by Herman Miller. Hello and welcome to the Looking Forward podcast. I'm Ryan Anderson, your host. I serve as VP of Global Research and Insights at Herman Miller. And today we are joined by Dr. Andrea Shagu. Andrea is the director of the Real Estate Innovation Lab at MIT, and she's also head of research at MIT's Design X. You will find her to be a fascinating individual with a deep background in research and data science who has a passion for helping to create buildings, in particular corporate real estate spaces, that positively impact employees and positively impact the world. Check out what she has to share with us today. I'm looking forward. Andrea, I am so happy that you're joining us on the Looking Forward podcast. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really jazzed to be here. So let's start with um, maybe a little introduction to you. Maybe you can tell you tell our listeners about you and what you do. Yeah. So um, in in everyday terms, I'd say what I do is I'm a fancy counter. I'm a statistician, and I, I figure out ways to count outcomes and experiences of everyday people for the built environment, um, but also particularly for buildings and financial events. Um, but in fancy terms, I'd say uh, I'm the director of MIT's Real Estate Innovation Lab. I'm the head of research for Design X, which is the accelerator program here at the School of Architecture and Planning at MIT, and I'm a research scientist um, who leads our applied research platform here at the Center for Real Estate. Um, and I'm also on faculty to teach data science and machine learning um, and technology tools to our MSRED students. That is an amazing set of experiences. Um, give us a sense of why you chose this. Like, why do you have a passion for applying your counting and scientific expertise uh, to the world of real estate and design? Yeah. Um, so I, I got into this through the, the world of, of business and business schools tackle uh, the built environment very, very particularly as an asset class. Um, and when I arrived at MIT, I was opened up to the world of design, designers, urban design, architectural design, graphic design, material design, you name the, the approach, and they were breaking it, hacking it, and thinking differently about it. And that that really transformed my thinking about a decade ago, where I was saying, well, we have to break the, the approach of finance as an asset class to the built environment and think about it. Um, differently. And so what we, we just started to design and what we started to think about were ways that we could translate information between these different complex stakeholders like planners or designers or uh, financiers or contractors and, and really try to figure out a way to create a common language where they could talk to each other about the change that they were trying uh, to make happen in the built environment. And designers are amazing, right? They're, they're synthesizing, they're, they're, they're conceptualizing a new world, they're, they're creating all of the time. And the way to do that and get that into that sort of rigid foundations of sometimes policy or finance um, really, really needs some different types of thinking. So we in the lab and we, you know, in the accelerator program and here at the center, we're just, how are we going to come up with different ways to hack at that traditional asset pricing or asset structuring process um, to help with that change, help with making the built environment meet its biggest, biggest challenges? So in layman's terms, then, thinking of real estate as something that primarily lives on a spreadsheet, it's limiting 
to what we can potentially do in terms of using it to impact the world and and leverage these investments in better ways? Is that the gist? Yeah, totally. And I, I would say that, that that's a beautiful, a much better way of saying it. It's a, it's a beautiful way of saying these designers think differently about the world. And then how are we going to expand the margin or the horizon of the way that a pro forma or a spreadsheet goes about measuring these events and counting and and, and getting that actually across the uh, the table. So how do we align the incentives between these two different different groups? Well, when I was first introduced to you, this is what really blew me away, among other things, is your ability to talk about real estate in terms of its impact on the world, but in business language, in ways that actually I think a lot of business people can, can really relate to. And I want to get to that. But first, give us just a sense of like on a given week, what might happen at MIT's Real Estate Innovation Lab? Like, what are you focused on? What kind of conversations might you have? Cool. Yeah, no, we, we, I love the lab. It's, it's been the greatest honor of my life um, to co-found and direct that, that baby. Um, you know, what we do in the lab really focuses on five core areas, and that can change. But right now, what we're very busy with is two big bases. One being data science and machine learning tools for commercial and residential real estate. And the second being technology and design strategies that developers, designers, planners are trying to implement to make change happen. Now, I need these two pillars because I have to be able to identify, go out and find where people are doing these things um, and measure the outcomes of this. And we're very, very into measuring right now in our current approach to the world. So we've got to come up with a way of doing that. And that can get tricky when we have environmental or social or governance strategies that we want to employ to fight our biggest problems like climate change or healthy buildings or hybrid work or any of the big, big challenges that we're facing, automation. I mean, we're doing everything now in this sort of very automated, transcripted world. So how are we going to face these challenges? So the two core pillars of what we work on are those basic things. And then from that, we start to assess and do some studies around what the outcomes actually mean. So we have a value of design pillar where we look at all of the different design strategies that urban and architectural designers are engaging in, in corporate and um, commercial um, investor-oriented real estate, um, to then say, okay, what is the outcome of the strategy or the design strategy that you engaged? So we measure that performance um, in ways that can actually align that agency between that designer who goes in and says, look, I need to invent what, what the, the, the future of work you want to have to be and align that with either historical or innovative outcomes previously with financial performance so we can get that across uh, the acquirer's uh, table or the developer's table so that they can say, okay, this does actually make sense from a, a financial value creation strategy or a cost um, perspective. So the value of design, the value of innovation, um, and then even things like outside the box, like thinking about the future of virtual real estate. Um, uh, the future of actually buying real estate with cryptocurrency. Um, so various various types of things any given week. Um, and I'd say the other thing that we really, really focus on um, and we're very, very big with right now is technology. We're really trying to understand the body of technologies that are impacting the built environment. 
Um, and that means not understanding the companies. So I think companies are fantastic and there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff on understanding what prop tech is and who are the prop tech companies that are engaging in commercial products for the built environment. We take a broader and wider view of that by looking at what the technologies are overall. And we teamed up with JLL to answer that question by creating a tool called the MIT Technology Tracker that'll be launching for the wider built environment to use as a tool um, at the end of August of 2021. That is a fantastic set of activities. And I personally have been super fascinated with the world of prop tech and, and in a previous um, role worked within the prop tech world. So it's great to see that, that an institute like MIT would be focused on it. I particularly appreciate the diligence in actually measuring outcomes because just personally, it's a lot of fun to talk about change. It's a whole lot of work to measure it. So I think those two pillars make a ton of sense to me. Um, I know a lot of our listeners will be thinking primarily about corporate real estate, and I want to get into maybe changes in mindset and changes in strategy post-pandemic in a bit. But if, if we were to look more broadly over the last five or 10 years, or really since you started this work, uh, what was the state of corporate real estate? What kind of problems do you think were being addressed? And, and what were the opportunities to, to do things better? Yeah, look, that's a great question. I'd say a tremendous change occurred over the last decade. And, and the first principal change is that we've become digitized. Um, or that we're striving to become digitized. Um, and that's very powerful um, because that means that um, if we're becoming digitized, we can think about how people are doing. Now, as a data scientist, so I teach data science and machine learning at MIT, and I teach a very particular blend of data science. I, I, I think that if you're a good data scientist, you're listening. And if you're really listening, then you're taking your craft as a data scientist very much to heart. You're very ethical in your approach. You're almost like a therapist. You're, you're ethical. You're, you're listening to the, the stories of the outcomes and events and experiences that are in your data. And you're paying attention to what is systemic and what is, you know, noise or idiosyncratic or what we would call just random stuff. And you're paying attention to both things that are happening. And what happened in the built environment over the last decade is that data scientists started to pay attention to what was happening. And I'll give you a concrete example of that. We started to pay attention to air quality, the air quality that was inside of the building and how that was actually impacting the productivity of the people. Was there actually too much carbon monoxide in the physical spaces from the exhalation of people for them to slowly get things done after, say, a certain amount of hours in, in the workplace. And what we started to learn just by paying attention to that data with a little bit of censoring and listening to the breaths of people is that actually they started to become less productive because they actually couldn't breathe. And so that just paying attention to these little basic things about how our people are doing, how are people experiencing buildings, and then incorporating those changes into design strategies or incorporating those, those changes into the way that we um, structure buildings or structure physical spaces or actually create um, open air spaces um, or little greens in spaces, it's actually changing the way that people 
actually physically experience the building, but also physically experience productivity in the spaces. So that's that's a very concrete example of change that we've seen as a, as a way of engaging and measuring experiences, listening to how people are doing, and then actually inter, like coming up with some strategies to to develop that change and to combat um, that lower productive outcome. And so from my standpoint, what we want to see is that basic work of listening to the data in a very ethical, very mindful way so that we can get better, better outcomes for our people. Um, Everybody's had that three o'clock headache. um, And that that has to do with carbon monoxide um, exhalation (laughs) too much actually in the physical space. Um, so what we want to do is really pay attention to how people are doing. What, what is it, what is it that they're, that they're needing? Um, and if we're a good data scientist and we're, you know, I, we could talk about fancy models, but that, that's not what's important. If we're a good data scientist, we're listening, we're paying attention to what's happening in that data, um, and how people are doing. So we, uh, have been thinking about this for a long time at Herm Miller too, in fact, We've been looking at our own facilities and we've used sensor technology with our customers for, I think, 13 plus years. It's my observation, but it might be a crude one, that there's more sources of data and that the digitization of the built environment is happening. But sometimes organizations don't know what to do with the data. Sometimes they aren't even sure they have access to the data. And so I love how you're talking about this in terms of us being data scientists do you think organizations are yet at the point where they can behave like data scientists with the information that they may have at their fingertips? Yeah, I, I think that's, I'm not going to dismiss the challenge there because um, we don't have a ton of data scientists running around in the built environment. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a core job skill that we were asking um, of our students or of our developers or programs weren't actually necessarily teaching it. Um, it was, you know, something in movies that was very cool to do late at night um, with black screens, right? But if we took away all of that glamour of it, um, and, and it's actually really not a very glamorous job. Um, <laughs> I, what I would I would say is that what was missing um, was a basic framework, and this this is truly my opinion. There's a basic framework of this listening, listening to the data, and trying to understand what's in the data that is an outcome and what are features or um, factors that are driving those outcomes. Just this basic modeling type of thinking um, with an ethics, with a a strong ethical uh, balance in mind. Um, But I think that was tremendously missing and actually approaching the last decade, but we're changing that. I think there's um, a shift in our focus that's growing out of, I would say, the, the prop tech commercialization space of, of looking at that data and saying, look, we can't just sell data anymore. We have to sell products that are actually meaningful to people. And to do that, you got to listen. So what I'm seeing is this shift in this change um, from pure collection, what I would call the pure recognition stage in data science um, and digitization, and into what I call the sorting stage where we're really starting to actually pay attention to the experiences and sorting it into these outcomes and features of our experience. And then maybe we'll get to this intelligence stage a little bit faster than, say, 20 years from now. 
hopefully, because we've got a, bit, a lot of big challenges uh, that the built environment um, can make some big contributions to um, in the world. Yeah, and I can see how critical that link to design is because if the data is informing decision-making, ultimately somebody has to begin to come up with a solution <laughs> to whatever it was that was better understood. I mean, we've seen this. I referenced space utilization data as an example. Um, it, it often uh, occurs to me that there's not always a common understanding of what utilized even means. And when an organization might find that certain parts of their space are used more than others, that doesn't immediately tell you anything other than certain parts were used more than others. (laughs) What it means in terms of design and interpreting those results really requires somebody who has some, some good ethnographic or other design skills to be able to translate these into human experiences and outcomes. I think that's brilliant. And actually that, that point is critical and brilliant because if we don't have um, a match to a strategy or even a, uh, a buffet of strategies to think differently, then actually this data is just sitting there. These stories of people's experiences isn't getting matched up with what we really need. So we're not listening. So we're really not listening. And one of the powerful things that's come out of um, the last 50 years is, um, and it's a really cool algorithm, and we just haven't really tapped into it yet or well enough yet, um, is the matching algorithm. And this is a powerful tool that um, once we really start to unlock it and unleash it for the built environment, I think we're going to get some really cool stuff. What if we match building, building usage, space usage, occupancy usage, and really paying attention to the data that's inside of that? with what people say that they want or don't say that they, we, we, we start to match that with design strategies or um, thinking a little bit differently about things and, and creating a more matched space. So we don't, we don't have that, but you know what really kind of, kind of got us triggered into doing that and really thinking about that and getting that moving, I think is two things. First, we got our dating algorithms going. <laughs> so our dating algorithms really got us going like, what if we could match with the person we care about um, in these algorithms? But what if we could match with space, physical space, and how yeah. we like to work and how we like to engage and collaborate with other people? Some people are really introverts and they create you know, best in their own space. And we learned that from a lot of these surveys that's come out of the pandemic. Um, but some people are said, wait, 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 no, no, no. I, I can't not ever go back to the office again. I love people. I want to, I want to collaborate. I want to, I want to sit and chat with them in a room that feels good for me. So I think, you know, we're not, we're not thinking about the hybrid nature of our experience um, in a way that could match a little bit more, like more thoughtfully. Um, and if we were to listen to the data it's not all one thing or another. It's 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 mixed. It's gray. It's 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 varies. It varies. And and so, um, if we think about that as an opportunity, um, we we can build more types of commercial products, and we can build more experiences and expand jobs. This this is a good thing. It's what we want. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is expanding the margin of of economic um, growth and experience. Not not minimizing what our experience could be. Um, okay. Well, particularly as organizations realize that their spaces 
are essentially on demand and they have been for a long time. But in a world where um, worker flexibility is going to be higher than ever, um, the notion of a match algorithm uh, is pretty appealing. There, there are a few technology platforms that come to my mind when you when you paint a picture of that. I think a little bit about workplace experience apps. I think a little bit about um, integrated workplace management software. But if I really zoom out, is there is there a coming together of these technologies and something that feels like the match algorithm on our horizon, or is it still? a bit of a visionary thing off in the distance? I, you know, I don't think it's, it's um, off in the distance in, in, in such a far away, like, are we ever actually going to get there? Um, I think what laid the foundation for this um, was particularly COVID-19. So COVID-19 said the first match is, do people have high viral loads and are they near this building? And they were using, um, some, some, you know, cellular data, anonymized cellular data, uh, platforms to be able to sort of put people, um, in a place and near it to see, okay, should, should the building and the people from a health standpoint be together? Just basic, but thinking about that, um, more structurally and expanding that with, with data ethics and, 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 um, anonymization and privacy in mind, I think that is a good, good um, base. And I'm thinking of a, a couple of uh, startups that have actually moved in that direction um, and are pushing hard there. Um, but at MIT, we actually never choose any anybody, so I can't necessarily mm-hmm. say them out loud. But um, the, there are some 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 platforms, I would say, some commercial products that are moving in that direction to get our health and wellness. And that's usually where design um, and and data science start. Um, I'd say the second area where we're seeing um, engagement start to work is getting this, um, the tools for productivity in place. Um, I've seen um, a lot of startups come out of MIT that are trying to actually say, okay, look, this is how we are doing on a day-to-day basis in terms of my um, meeting and engagement um, when I'm in my um, employee environment. How how are the people actually doing? Um, and then matching them back with teams um, that are a little bit more um, right for them, right in terms of mix, um, right in terms of um, communication style. Um, so thinking a little bit more thoughtfully um, in terms of uh, what does productivity mean more holistically um, and um, incorporating some of that leadership and uh, team dynamic work in there. And some of that's coming out of the, the media lab. Um, so I think big picture, what we're seeing is this openness, more importantly, this stretch culture um, in real estate. We don't have a change culture. We have a stretch culture. Mm-hmm. Stretching to say, look, I'm willing to take on data. I'm willing to take on um, understanding what is what is important to people. Um, and I'm willing to um, think a little bit differently about how I'm going to match them between the teams they need to work with and the physical space they need to be a part of um, to do that. I know that there are some that are completely not doing this um, and are refusing to do this. I know that they're in the spectrum. Um, I've met a few of them. Um, we'll see how they do. Um, that, that's, uh, you know, 
there's always this tension between, you know, um, uh, changing, stretching and um, the way that things work um, that will always exist. Um, I can't, there's nothing, there's no amount of science or data science or work that we can do at MIT um, to change that. There's, there's, um, there's, there's anti-change, there's stretch and then there's change. Yeah. Well, I know you've got a foot in the academic world, but you've also got a foot in the commercial world. And you mentioned COVID-19. If you were to think a little bit about both those spaces, are there any fundamental changes in how the world either academic, commercial, or beyond, is looking at buildings and specifically corporate real estate that um, you've noticed shift? Or is it essentially an acceleration of what you saw before? Look, for the stretchers, they they felt like, oh man, I should have digitized. I really should have gotten my, my basics of what they call a smart or intelligent building done two years ago. I should have made those investments uh, years ago before this disaster hit, but this got them moving. Um, I think it. I was listening to a lot of building managers or large-scale uh, corporate building managers, um, and they became armchair epidemiologists, um, which was wonderful to see um, because they essentially started to pay attention to the fundamentals of health um, for people in buildings um, and were starting to make wiser decisions about uh, the basics around daylight views, air quality that designers have been espousing um, for years, um, and that you mm-hmm. and your team um, certainly have been espousing for years. So we got the table stakes, I think, more situated um, and digitally supported for those who had a stretch culture, certainly also a change culture, in my opinion. So systemically relevant buildings that are going up um, in major markets are now going to set the tone with some of the most front-leading technologies, in my opinion, um, if they could buy it. Um, and some of them are doing a bit of R&D, um, not a lot, but a bit. Um, so in my opinion, some of that corporate work got that stretch, got that nudge to move forward. They're going to think differently. Digital twins backing up the infrastructure. The corporates were first to move on that, and they're they're pushing that even further. Um, so in, in my opinion, I think we saw that change stretch culture for some of those people who are leaning on the edge moving forward. Um, for those who are putting up a new building that isn't mindful of climate change, that isn't mindful of health and well-being, that isn't mindful of hybrid work experiences, that isn't mindful of the role of automation and the rise of automation in work, um, those those firms and those corporate real estate leaders will struggle in the next decade, especially with respect to climate change, hybrid health. I mean, all of those, I can't, when people tell me what is the biggest challenge that we're facing today, I, I, I'm like, it's like a juggle um, of at least those four. Those, those are fundamentally encompassing some of the big, biggest struggles um, that we that we were, were paying attention to. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. mind restating those four? Just for the sake of summarizing? Yeah. When I wake up in the morning and I go through my um, my media um, packets uh, that I have delivered to me, essentially what I see is uh, <laughs> climate change disaster. I mean, the IPCC report came out and 
it's just bad. It, mm-hmm. And it's bad for buildings. Um, the second thing that I noticed is that we're talking a lot about our experience, our experience going to work, our experience in leadership, our experience in diversity, our experience in getting things done and how we're going to lead and set the tone and solve problems um, and be productive going forward. So that S, that big social thing that people talk about with E, S, and G, that's there. Mm-hmm. That's so there and it's, it's top of mind. Um, and you could talk about any given amount of unrest on any day and that S is so prevalent. Um, the next thing that I, that I wake up to is automation. Every day there's something about automation, automating work, um, taking up more and more of those tasks within our jobs that are getting automated. Um, that's happening every day. So how is the built environment responding to that from a um, spatial recognition standpoint, like literally how much space we actually need, but also how that's structurally changing who we employ, what we do. Um, that's changing. So we've got to talk to our human resource leaders, um, but we don't do enough. So that, that automation bucket is so huge. Um, and then I would also say um, our health and well-being. Um, this is front of mind because we all just lost um, a year of being in physical space because we didn't know how to respond to one of the greatest pandemics in time. And this is our, this isn't our last pandemic, right? So um, we're going to do this again. Um, We do it. We do. That's what we do. We're humans. We have diseases. So so our response to these four things is top of mind every day. Um, It's big and it's something that the built environment is central to. We're the big, one of the biggest asset classes on earth. We're bigger than equities. We're bigger than bonds. You know, we're, we're, we're land and buildings. This is it. This is table stakes. The buildings are huge. They're important to all of this. So we have to pay attention to these things. And, and when I look at them, the designers and the financiers have to come together uh, to be able to make this, this work or we're, we're in big trouble. That is an amazing aspirational goal. Uh, and I completely um, am energized by it. I have to believe at this point, we've got listeners that may be CEOs, head of human resources or real estate that are thinking, okay, like I want to use this spend, our corporate real estate spend in far more responsible ways to accomplish these things in the future. If we had to get practical, like let's just say you were having a beer, a cup of coffee with a CEO and she said to you, this is the direction we got to go. What should I encourage my team to do? Any thoughts on practical steps from moving from something so aspirational to we're going to start doing stuff differently tomorrow? Yeah, actually, uh, very concrete things to do. Um, <laughs> well, do we have all day? Um, <laughs> very <laughs> concrete things. One of the critical things um, that we have in the face of, say, climate change um, is paying attention to um, the materials that we use to make buildings and uh, the embodied carbon that we go to do it. So be intelligent about your building usage. Um, how do you do that? You invest in understanding how people are using their buildings and what they need to use your buildings for. Um, and, and think about that differently. Do you need to build a new building or do you need to actually really rethink the building that you're using to minimize um, the carbon footprint of that structure. Um, the, the best building is the building that's not built um, from a carbon standpoint. So think about that more widely. 
Um, and how do you get to that outcome that you can make that decision? That is data. That is listening to your people. That is listening to their experience. That is listening to what you need to drive your outcomes. And so I can't stress enough, you need to understand the technology and design strategies that lead um, to fight our fight our biggest challenges, one, um, and then two, the data science that we can do to pay attention to how we engage in these strategies. And people are like, it's not as simple as that. I'm like, invest in your data infrastructure, invest in understanding your people, do it ethically, do it with their privacy in mind, but invest in understanding your people, invest in how they under like engage with their building and how can you do that with fighting climate change, minimizing health, unhealthy outcomes, you know, dealing with this experience of our diversity, but also um, looking at how that's going to transform in an automotive uh, future. And I know that's a big, big jump, but I, I'd say the most important thing, table stakes, is getting your data um, situated and organized. That's what I really need everybody to do because we've got big challenges when it comes to these four factors. Um, and there's things, there's outcomes that we can take. We can minimize our carbon. That's an outcome. We can measure that. I can actually measure, you know, if we have everybody going into the office at the same exact time every single day, is that good for carbon? Maybe not. Don't, maybe we don't do that. Um, so we have to think, we have to think um, and listen uh, to, to the outcomes that we want to, to help save planets. Um, going forward. That is fantastic. I know we're getting um, close on time here. Um, I have an additional question for you, but before I do so, any other topics as it relates to future of corporate real estate or thinking about these challenges that we haven't gotten to yet that you would say, oh, we definitely can't gloss over this? I'd say the biggest challenges that we face right now is understanding really what, um, when we say productivity, what the heck are we talking about? Um, mm. And I think uh, that's that's the thing that the science is going to work on probably for the next decade. So what does that outcome mean? What are the social governance, environmental challenges around understanding productivity um, for especially corporate real estate, um, you know, managers, developers, creators, experience managers, these people you know, trying to understand what that word actually means, its roots and origins, dissecting that and actually coming up with a, a meaningful word, um, I think is going to be the challenge for the next decade. So I know that that's a bit of philosophy at the end, but as a data scientist, um, these, these are the big things that we, I can, you know, we can count the money. That That's one thing, but it's more about what really enriches making something. What's, what's truly a productive outcome for us that is enriching um, for us as humans, but also that's minimizing carbon footprints and having healthy, productive life? Um, I, think, I think that that's critical and we don't truly understand that yet. So it's going to come from corporate real estate. They always stretch and change first. Um, so definitely going to be paying attention to what happens, how they go about 
answering these questions and how to do that ethically is going to be really cool to watch. Awesome. So final question then, if our listeners want to know more about you or your work um, or all the cool stuff happening at MIT, is there a website or a book or something that they would uh, best check out? Yeah. So um, if you're into the social media, go to at MIT REI lab. Um, We're on the Instagram. We're on the LinkedIn. We're on the Facebook. Um, but if you are old school and just like a good old fashioned website where you can download reports, um, and all of the research that we're doing on the value of design, the value of innovation, um, the value of technology, go to MIT. Um, you're going to go to the, you're going to go to realestateinnovationlab.mit.edu. Actually, let me say that again. If you want to just go to a website and download reports, head over to realestateinnovationlab.mit.edu. Um, that's where we keep all of the latest and greatest um, reports, research, insights, um, media, um, all all in one place for you. And then lastly, um, I would love to teach everyone data science and machine learning. Excellent. Well, what a fantastic call to action. Well, thank you so much for spending time. You have um, fans and friends at Herman Miller, and I have personally so enjoyed learning from you and following you that I just feel super privileged that you spent time with us today. Thank you. Likewise, you guys are doing some amazing stuff. Keep, keep stretching and changing our culture. It's really gorgeous to watch. Thank you so much. <laughs> Deal. Thanks. Thanks.